You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everything you need to know for Game 2 here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SP Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell me your prediction for Game 2 of Suns-Lakers. Dwayne Rankin is our guest today, getting you ready for Game 2 of this series after a classic Game 1. Make sure to check out my instant thoughts from that game over on Monday's show. My post-game podcast from that game is right there for you guys. But Dwayne joins us today. Uh, We'll get into that conversation in just a moment. But first, remember, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at Rock Auto. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Dwayne and I talk about this game. One, what we saw, what the updates are on Chris Paul's injury after Dwayne had a report about that in the Republic today. Um, What we could see the Suns adjust with, which is not normally the focus, but obviously the Suns can't come out like they did in game one and expect to just win this one. So uh, we'll close the show talking about a little bit of that stuff. But my goal is to this conversation to let you be ready with everything you need for Game 2. So let's get right into it, guys. Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic. Joined now by Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic, the Suns beat writer over there. Dwayne, thanks for joining us again on the show. I'm, I'm curious. I have a lot of ways we could take this, and, and I want to get to a few things here, but... What's on your mind lingering for you after Sunday's insane game one with the injuries and the ejection and the close game and and the result obviously going the way a lot of folks didn't expect it to? What's sticking with you from game one here? Just the fact that you know, they held the Lakers to 90 points, and I get the Lakers missed shots, but 90 points, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a low, low number in, in today's game. Uh, so, you know, the Lakers were obviously missing three, seven to 26. Caldwell Pope won a seven. So it makes me think, okay, well, are they going to keep shooting like that? And if they are, this is going to be a short series because, you know, you figure LeBron is, is always trying to set guys up, but it may lead to LeBron being even more aggressive and looking to get his. And then after the defense on Davis, I get Coach Williams saying that Davis missed shots, and he did, and, you know, he's going to probably hit those in game two, but I think what Aiden did was staying on the ground and not going for the the stutter steps or the fakes or the hesitations and and just sticking sticking with his hand up and making Davis – not making Davis, but Davis sort of settling for some of those shots that maybe he could – try to drive. And I think you may see that in the next, you know, in game two more of him trying to drive. And they were talking about, obviously, you know, when he was matched up with Crowder that they didn't take advantage of that early because obviously Phoenix switched up and put Aiden on him when 
But you can see how the game was going with the way the Lakers were, were playing and Drummond wasn't dominating inside or having Buck a big impact, that it was going to eventually go to Aiden to the maybe it's going to go with Davis at the five. You could just see how the game was flowing if that was what was going to happen. And so once that happened, that left it now Aiden on Davis. And then it, I think that really changed, changed, changed things a little bit in, in the sense of the game. But those are the things that stick with me, along with obviously Paul's shoulder and and then Booker. I, I knew he was going to come out aggressive, but to have 34 in his first playoff game and shoot 50% from the field. And basically it was on him in that fourth quarter because Paul wasn't giving him much. And he pretty much, you know, he pretty much delivered that when Aiden had a huge tip in. But it was it was Booker in the fourth quarter that really, really sealed the deal. No, I, something I didn't. I actually forgot to mention talking about the game in my recap show yesterday was that stretch. So, so Paul goes out and, and we'll get, I, I want to get back to the defense cause there's a few things there too, but um, there there's a stretch right there when, when Paul initially goes out in that second quarter where he, him leaving kind of, it, it ruffled everybody's feathers. Like the game kind of lost momentum. It was, the crowd was just silent. Nothing really seemed to be, it didn't look like a basketball game. The Suns were fouling a bunch. And then if you remember, Booker comes in with about five, six minutes left, has a block on Horton Tucker and then a dunk on the other end. And it wasn't the late game stuff that you're talking about, but I thought that moment from him for the ability to, to have that poise and kind of center everything on the floor and, and feel that the team needed that, that, I mean, maybe it's just random. Maybe he was going to make that play either way, but Regardless, the team really needed it in that moment to to kind of get back together and just be like, okay, like whether we get Chris back out here or not, we're winning right now and we can win and let's go ahead and and get back to doing that. Um, but the the shooting that from the Lakers is a big thing and and how those shots were happening because, like you said, we didn't see Davis the the kind of three level scorer that that we think of him as. That guy wasn't there on Sunday and. He, I mean, he wasn't an any level scorer on Sunday. He had a pretty poor game and, and took it on the chin and, and really accepted the responsibility for the loss in a big way this week. But the way that the Suns were doubling him and, and really disrespecting the Lakers shooters combined with the fact that those Lakers shooters were missing and the Suns strategy was, was being rewarded. Uh, it, it, I think it's, it's rightly bringing a lot of questions out from, from NBA fans and from people who are watching this series of like, the team we saw in the bubble, the way that that team shot, is that possible for this year's team? Because it was it was kind of out of nowhere, and we just got used to it, I think, because they were so good in the playoffs. But you had guys like Markeith Morris, Rajon Rondo, hitting like consistently hitting threes for this team last year and helping their spacing. And I guess I wonder, what does this team look like if you can't rely on that? What if that's just not something they're going to get? What What is the... the 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 shape of of the offense look like and and what does the competitiveness of this series look like? I guess we'll just have to to see, but we got a taste of it on Sunday for sure because they could not hit anything. Well, I think you're going to see Markeith Morris get an opportunity in Game Two. He didn't play in Game Two, and then Macklemore, he didn't play either. But you know, it was reports that he was in a car accident. Yeah, and, and obviously, Vogel said he was fine. But so you may see. You know, you saw Kuzma and Horton Tucker play off the bench. Well, you may see Morris 
and Macklemore get a chance, you know, get a chance tomorrow. But I, I think now you, you're going to see, okay, did the Lakers overreact and just totally mix everything up and come out with something entirely different? Or do they just say, look, we just had a bad shooting night. We'll, we'll, get, it, we'll get it going here in the next game. And obviously, when you look at the bubble, no crowd, same arena, same exactly. view, exactly. same everything. So guys got used to being in, being in the gym and got familiar with the surroundings. I think that affected the shooting. I mean, you can't, I don't, I don't think anybody can deny that. And although I've seen Rondo hit threes since he's been with the Clippers, to think that, you know, Caldwell Pope and them other guys, guys who weren't known for three-point shooting, now, you know, start hitting them in a situation like they're in now where there's crowd and, and it even, and Caldwell Pope even he said today, he was like, you know, it affected them a little bit, but he said, obviously they, you know, they liked the energy that was in the arena. But if you're even hinting that the crowd affected the shooting, that probably means the crowd affected it more than you want to admit. So there's a lot going on. And I, I think maybe they got it. They got a taste of that. And you may see them shoot better. You, you, if you're a Lakers, you, you will think that you would shoot better from not only the three-point line, but from the free throw line, because they got the attempts at the free throw line. They just didn't cash in. I think they shot like 50 some percent. So 59 or 60%. So, you know, if, if they're able to get to the line like that again, and they're not able to cash in. They get these open. And I thought some of the threes they got, I thought majority of the threes they got were pretty good looks. I mean, they had to maybe pump fake a little bit to get a guy, you know, moving out of the way to get a shot off. But they got some open ones. And, you know, Vogel's saying they missed nine layups. So when you hear the Lakers, they're talking as if, but we didn't do what we needed to do. It wasn't necessarily what Phoenix was doing. So now we'll see if that holds true or will we look at game two and go, well, I think some of this has a, I think more has to do with what, how Phoenix is playing as opposed to how the Lakers aren't playing. Yeah, no, it's all fair. And that's why I think a lot of it comes down to the, the ability of the stars to create those shots. Cause I agree with you. I mean, it, it's not going to probably be a 27% outing every game from the Lakers. You got lucky on that, but I mean, Markeith, like, he's a guy who got hot last year in the playoffs. He was a 31% three-point shooter this season for L.A. And uh, and when he joined them in the regular season last year for 14 games, 33%. Like, that's not really the, the role he tends to play. I agree with you. He might get a look because Kuzma did not provide a lot. And, and maybe they want to go to a big that is, that's a little more versatile rather than Drummond or Harrell. And, and Morris could give them some some minutes in that situation in that role. But Macklemore is the guy that I've been looking at. And I agree with you. I think he could be, um, I think he could be an answer in maybe just a few minutes. Like we saw Horton Tucker, Matthews, those guys were only getting, getting about seven, 12, somewhere around 10 minutes. So I think we'll see some different guys on both sides. And I think if, if the Suns keep doing that and, and leaving those guys open and they still aren't really, really making them pay. It's going to be on those stars to just score more than they did. There's a lot of ways they can do that. We'll get to some more of that late in the show. But um, it, if, 
if the Lakers, if you can't rely on this team to shoot, then things just really change about what the series is going to look like. So uh, I do, I'm not saying it'll be as bad as it was on Sunday, but I also don't really know if the Lakers can plan on getting to, you know, 40, 45% on a given night. They just really don't have the guys to do that right now, but uh, let's get more to the sun side of things. We got some, some, uh, some new information on Payne and Paul, the, the uh, sort of, I guess, not stars of, of game one, but the, the characters that define game one. So we'll get to that right after a quick break. Today's episode of Locked on Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Lucy. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors right for you. Wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck from Lucy. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors as well. Cherry, ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are both FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet, guys. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. Switch from cigarettes to nicotine gum in a private way. Don't be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Nicotine gum is the answer for you, and Lucy is here to make it tasty, easy, discreet, and affordable. It's 2021, guys. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Lucy lozenges and gum, once again, guys, are also FSA and HSA eligible, meaning you can spend pre-tax earnings on them. That is actually pretty incredible. I know a ton of people have FSAs, HSAs, and pre-tax health care, and the fact that you can use this on them is pretty incredible. So for our Locked On NBA listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co, promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer, folks, warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is here to save you money, make your life easier, and get your car in better shape. It's just so frustrating to walk into a dealership or even a chain store not know what you're going to have to pay for something, feel like you're being taken advantage of, and not walk out of the store with what you need. Rock Auto expedites that whole process. Everything is simple. You just log on. You don't even need an account. You click into your car's page, scroll through what's there, buy something for a cheap and reasonable and consistent price, not based on whether you're a pro or a do-it-yourselfer, but just what that price or part costs. Very simple. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and when you make your purchase, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Okay, Dwayne, so we got to talk to Payne today, and we got to talk to Monty Williams today, and you guys had it at the Republic that basically what happened with Paul and his right shoulder was, you know, not too severe, nothing extreme, basically more of a stinger that 
He expects to be ready for game two. LeBron told us himself he has no uh, no concerns about his availability for game two. He will play. So how do you think um, the Chris Paul situation will linger here? Do you expect, based on what you've heard, that he's going to be more like himself in, in game two? Or should we expect to see a guy who looks more like the player who really just couldn't shoot the basketball in the second half of game one? I think you're going to see probably in the middle of the road with that. I just don't, and I could be totally wrong. He might come out there and, you know, really, you know, be locked in and, and knock down shots. But I just, from based on his ball handling, the shooting is one thing, but the ball handling was something that really surprised me because he just had moments where he just simply could not control the ball. He was like running the ball down to catch up with to maintain possession. And, and, he only had one turnover credit to him, but he could have had five, six, or seven the way he was the way it was going there. So I think you're going to see middle of the ground in terms of because it it might be a case where you know it gets warm or you know he, or it gets looser and it's not as sore as you're playing in the game. Maybe maybe he gets better as the game progresses, but that that wasn't a good look. Cause it seemed like he could only go right in my opinion. Like I didn't see him hardly going. I didn't see him go left hardly if at all after he came back in the game. So I, I don't know what that was all about. Cause it just seemed weird. It was like, okay, it's your right shoulder, but you're not even trying to go left. So it, it was just, that was odd for me to, to, to look at that. And so maybe it's just a matter of him you know, he was just trying to find his comfort level. And maybe, you know, you're a right-handed player, so you're more comfortable going right. But yeah, that that injury, uh, you know, Aiden, you know, had a set of stinger, and, and you just don't know what's going to flare up. You know, it, all it takes is a certain hit of it, and he might be right back to where he was, where he's on the ground hurting. So that's the scary part about it for fans because – you know, you know the Lakers are going to be, you would think, they would be far more aggressive and far more physical with him. They already want to take him out of the series anyway. So this would make, make me think that, okay, they're going to be even more aggressive in gardening. So if Paul is able to, you know, still make the make plays and get other guys involved, then the Suns can capitalize on it. But if he can't and he struggles with that, then it could be very problematic, you know, moving forward, obviously, in this game. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably see a better game and we'll obviously see a full game of campaign in uh, on Tuesday. And that should help just with not having to put so much on on Paul if, if he can't really do it. Um, that's not going to help you necessarily be in the best position to win. It's one of your best players. And, and that's you know, the, the obvious part of this, but I do think we saw the Suns not really have another option in the second half. Whereas if Payne's in there, maybe they can buy Paul a few more minutes and, and, and we'll see kind of how that rotation looks. If, if Paul does look hampered, the other part is that, that you mentioned, I think is, is a good one. They're going to I mean, they already play physical defense, but if you think that they were, you know, rough with Booker and Paul during the regular season or during game one, uh, just watch because they're going to push. They're going to challenge the referees. They're going to try to uh, make Paul shoot, I think, and and just really start to see what the 
limitations he has on his body are right now. So we'll have to, obviously, that'll be a thing we're all monitoring in the opening minutes of game one. The other thing, and maybe this is something only I've, I've been thinking about, but you've been on all these calls as well. And one thing that struck me about this team, uh, whether it's, it's Monty being as stoic as ever, or, uh, you know, Cam Johnson, I asked him a direct question. I asked book a similar question about their, their, uh, their double teaming strategies on, on James and Davis and whether they thought that was successful and, how they executed it. And no, nobody wants to say anything, right? Like, <laughs> I wonder what, I wonder what you make of the way that they're handling the PR battle or the, uh, the, the public sort of war of words with this series. Cause that's just, it's a whole other aspect of the playoffs that I wasn't really thinking about until we got here, but I'm in, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated that they have it so well developed with uh, what they're saying and how limited they're being considering it is a bunch of young guys. You could imagine the opposite, but, but it's not, they're really, on message like they're uh they're seasoned politicians out there i got a feeling the president of the national basketball players association has something to do with you think so yeah <laughs> i think so too so uh, <laughs> i think i think chris paul has educated them on how to approach it i think monty has always been a bunker mentality guy you know, in the foxhole and everybody in there and hey, we, we, look, we're in this together and we don't care about what others are saying. And and even when, you know, he got asked before game one about how they were going to go, I, I knew that I knew his answer before he was even asked, before when I heard hearing the question being asked, I'm like, I already know what he's getting ready to say. I'm not going to give you anything. And he, that's exactly what he said. Well, I'm not giving you anything. And so, I mean, we can see it. I mean, you know, I mean, we can see how they're how they're going about defense, the defending. So, I, I don't get too caught up into that because I've, because I've covered enough postseason play, whether it's you know NBA or college football or other sports, you know, where you just you 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 know you you don't want to give away anything. I mean, you had Vogel. Someone asked him a question today, and he was just like totally just dismissed it. I mean, he just, he just brushed it off. Like, like I'm not answering that. He didn't, he didn't literally say those words, but the way he answered the question, it was like, okay, I'm not giving you nothing on this. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I just think it's just, you reach this point and you're just, that's just who you are. And you know, everyone, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it really. I mean, if that's, that's what they want to do. I, I think it's, I think at the end of the day, the beauty of the playoffs is that they cannot say something, but then they got to put that out on the court. At some point, you're going to see exactly what they're doing. Whereas maybe in a regular season game, you know, you're not maybe maybe you're not paying as much attention. But in a series, you're you're literally looking and going, "Yeah, I see this now. You're you're doing this." And sometimes, you know, I, I get what the questions you're asking. So does it confirm, okay, this is what you guys were doing. But the truth is that at this point, they're not gonna, they're not, they're not gonna bite on that. Yeah. More times than not. Now you may see it when it's an emotional situation where they're like talking and then they're like, and then they just blurt it out. But I think it's when it's in those heated emotional moments when you see kind of like Cam Pan explaining why he did what he did. You know, it was like he just 
there was no filter on that. He just said, well, you know, I feel like he did this to me <laughs> and I did this to him <laughs> and then he did this to me and then I did this to him. So on those situations, yeah, you, 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 you'll you see him come come cleaner than, 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 than most, unless you're LeBron and you're asked about your shoulder and he's like, we're ready for game two. Yeah, no, this that's not it was not a complaint on my part. I mean, I was oh, ready no, I know for it. it. I'm just, I know yeah. it when I when I asked that, I, I'm, I'm 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 partially asking it to see if they will answer it. I'm just I guess you're right. I mean, it, it's the Chris Paul factor, but I'm just surprised uh, how polished that they are with that stuff already. And then the other thing I'm, I think is funny and and that fans should try to, to take an eye to, which I don't know how many listen or watch these postgame things. They're they're all out there, but uh is it like today Monty got asked what um he similar one where he was asked like what, what's the biggest observation or, or takeaway that, about what you need to improve for game two he's like I'm not going to say anything but then he gives us uh rebounding and I'm like you're entirely BSing you want them to play big and you're saying right. you're saying Drummond and Harold punished you on the glass we all know that's not really what decided that game um so it's it's that that was really funny to me and and yeah you said the you said the the players association president is playing a role here. I think that there's also the the not the ghost because he's not he's alive but the uh, the presence of pop I think looms over the way Monty is handling this right. stuff. So yeah. I've been enjoying it for sure. Uh, let's let's take a break here and talk on the other side about what we might be able to expect to see, especially from the Suns, which we haven't hit on what they can do. You always think the losing team needs to adjust. The winning team should also be ready to adjust so that they can continue to win. We'll do that right after a quick break. This episode of Locked on Suns is also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, including the NBA playoffs, which is where my life has been lately, not only uh, covering it for all of you, but also on BetOnline. I have a deal, a bet that I know Suns fans will love to hear about. That is our bet online bet of the day today. Lakers and Clippers both lose in the first round. The yes on that is plus 300. Considering they both lost game one, yes, it's a long shot, but it's a pretty tasty bet in my opinion. You can find series odds, game odds, futures for awards, and all sorts of sports stuff across the entire landscape not just the nba over at betonline.ag so don't sit on the sidelines anymore folks this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their championship runs head to the website or use your mobile device make an account today and use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50 percent welcome bonus straight to your account again head to betonline.ag on the web or on your mobile device Make an account. Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a fifty percent welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So when we think about the Suns, Dwayne, they obviously you talked about their defense. We know offensively that that Booker was really ready for the pressure that he was facing. Kept his handle, didn't didn't pick up his dribble, which I thought was an underrated little thing that that he was able to do. He was finding passes sort of one step ahead of the defensive rotations, all these little things that they executed at a really high level. Uh, what sticks out to you about what we saw from the Suns in this game that that might or might not linger into game two? What, what, should, we, what should we be watching for on the Phoenix side? 
if, if Aiden is getting eight offensive rebounds again, and it's and then I mean Suns are going to be jumping for joy. I mean the way he just kept possessions alive on the offensive glass, and that was just something where we've seen him do that. But obviously in his first career playoff game, I, I think it's significant. His his he was basically the reason they won the rebounding battle. I mean I, I forgot the difference it was on the glass, but. He obviously was a huge, huge part of that. I mean, he had 16 rebounds for the game. The Suns won the rebounding battle 47 to 33. That's a 14, you know, differential. So he obviously played a huge role in that. And so I, I think that's one thing where you, you, you're going to see if Aiden can continue to not only get the offensive board, but he was running the floor. He was getting transition points. And so the Suns, you know, as far as the transition points, I mean, they was out running. So, you know, he had 16 transition points. So, in a playoff game, that's huge to be able to get that many fast break points. And you usually don't get that because it's because what the Lakers want to do, they want to play half court. Because that means they're playing half court. That means that they're getting to the free throw line. That means that James is able just to sit there and be Patrick Mahomes, just pick apart your defense. And Davis is playing a situation where you have to either double him or he's getting one-on-one and he's doing what he, he's doing what he normally does. So the Sun, for the Suns to be able to get out and run, get on the offensive glass, I mean, they got two areas where that's huge in the postseason to be able to run and get offensive boards because you're getting extra, extra possessions. That was very, very significant because they helped them overcome the turnovers. I mean, they had 16 turnovers, you know, led to 18 points, and Booker had six of those. I think the the, the one part we look at the Suns, okay, how much, how much is Devin going to be handling the ball in game two? Because if Chris is having issues with that or isn't it nearly as effective, Maya Yuli going to just pass, he's going to just give the ball to Devin you know, Devin made plays. There was a stretch. I'm sure you noticed. They kept running the same play. He just kept running that action. He was going down the lane, and he either was drawing and kicking or, or, you know, shooting. So it's like, how do you get Devin involved other than him handling the ball? I find that a cha- I find that's going to be a very, you know, a, ver- a part of the game where how does Phoenix, if Paul can't, be Chris Paul, who handles the ball more the most? Is it Devin? Is it campaign? Those are the only two options you really got. Cause everybody else out there, I'm not, I'm not letting them dribble more than two or three times, unless it's Mikhail trying to get into the lane. And that was the other part, just really quick. Yeah. Mikhail mid-range. I'm sorry. He, he got to go to more of that. Because they're coming out there, you know, they're, they're, they know he can hit the three and they're running out there. They're going to run out there and try to take him off of that. And he had a mid-range situation where he got in the paint and stopped and then tried to make something happen. It's like, dude, you got arms for days. You shoot a high release. He's been, he's been doing it most of the season. Don't veer from that now. I mean, like, if you get, if he gets into the lane, he can get that shot over pretty much anybody. So I get where he, you know, it was his first playoff game too. He's guarding LeBron. 
he got major responsibility. He, he made some key plays, but I think if they're going to try to run him off the three, he's got to be able to shoot that mid-range and be confident he can – and just go in the lane and just pull up. There's no need to do anything else in terms of, in terms of being hesitant or doing pump fakes. And I think those are elements of the game that I'm looking at. And you talked about other guys will play. Well, Etwan Moore played when Chris went out. So if Chris has a stretch where he has to go out like that again, okay, who's going to play? Is it going to be Javon? Let's just say Cam's in the game and Booker's out. Booker played 45 minutes. I'm curious to see if he can play, if they're going to do that again, him playing that many minutes. So in a situation like that, who plays? Javon? Is it Etwan? Curious to see the rotation. What they end up trying to do with the rotation with the with, with, with at the guard guard position. And Dario was the only one that, that played, you know, as far as you know, a big. I mean, Frank didn't play. Craig, Craig, what, three minutes? So who, who plays? Who plays? So I'm, I'm I'm curious if he sticks to this rotation or does he make adjustments? I mean, Cam obviously played 23 minutes, Cameron Johnson. Yeah. So who who plays? I'm I'm curious to see the rotation. Does it stick with what it was was, or if something happens in the game, does he change it at all or not? Well, I think one part of that. So I, a couple things to respond to, you and then we can close up here. I mean, a couple things that made it so that the rotation was the way it was, uh, and the big one is uh, nobody was in foul trouble. I mean, like the Suns kept getting in uh, fouling too much and the Lakers got into the bonus, but no one player was really in the danger zone there. And that helped, right? Like we, we, I think if, if Mikhail or Deandre or Crowder in that starting unit get into foul trouble in any game, but I mean, it could be as soon as this one, then, then you'll see Torrey Craig a lot more. I was surprised that we saw him so little, but then you look at it and it was like, well, you know, Davis and James weren't really doing much as scorers. So what, what need did you have for a defensive specialist like Craig? You didn't really. So that that's one. And then, you know, obviously Payne would have played more if he had not been ejected. And, right. and so that stuff I think could change things. And it, it goes hand in hand with the expectation. I think we all have that Davis and James look to score more than they did um, and so one way I think they could do that is exactly the first thing you said. And I think a lot of this series until, you know, later in the series, things start to slow even more down and, and this might not matter so much, but one thing, at least in game two, I have my eye on completely is the, the transition stuff, which team wins that battle. And we saw the Suns as so much trickled out of that. A lot of their open threes were cause they were running Mikhail, cam, Booker, all of them, Crowder got threes. He missed all of them, but they were getting good looks because they were getting in position before the Lakers defense could get set. That was also how they set up Aiton to get easy looks in rhythm. He had 10 points in the first quarter. So the Suns won that completely. But if like I was going back and I wrote something up about about Jay Crowder and his role in this series defensively and, and why I thought we might see more of him defending a center and, and Aiton on the, on Davis, which I still think we might see. We saw it when Harrell was in the game. That was pretty much it. Uh, and I was looking back at last year's finals. Cause that's what the heat did a lot was they had Crowder on, on Morris or even uh, like KCP sometimes. And when that was the case, they were able to have Crowder help off. But one way that the Lakers countered that was getting Crowder into foul trouble because 
LeBron would just run, run, just run. And, and we didn't see that at all in, of, in terms of him trying to score in transition. I don't even know if I can count one time that LeBron got a fast break layup in this game. So if he decides to do that, then that changes things as well. And I think that we'll learn a lot about that right away. Cause if you're going to try to run, you want to do it early. You're not going to say, okay, let's wait till the fourth quarter and then we'll try to get some fast break offense going. So I think we'll see it early. Uh, and I think a lot of what you said is, is where my, my eyes will be as well. I have one last question for you, Dwayne, before we get out of here, which is what do you make of this idea that like, I saw some Lakers fans who admittedly are, are probably feeling pretty <laughs> cocky. Um, but I saw some people saying uh, game one, it, they, they do this on purpose almost because they dropped Portland and they right. dropped the second round series, a uh, Houston last year in the bubble game one, both of them, they lost. And then they went, they went, they went in one in five. Right. So what do you think about that? Do you think we were not seeing adjustments from the Lakers sort of intentionally and they're feeling this thing out? Or do you do you buy into this is really a different team than what we have seen last season? Well, just really quick, LeBron, he didn't get that one transition. It was off a turnover. I don't know if you remember. It was in the midcourt. And then I, I, don't know, I don't know who lost the ball, but he got it. And then yeah. he, ended up, he threw up a layup and he got fouled. But even that didn't look like Looked like he was running, but it wasn't the same off to the races. It was like a – I don't want to say he looked ginger, but he, he didn't look explosive either. I, I was shocked he made that shot. It was like a flip shot. Mm-hmm. But but that was the one time he did get out of the transition, as I recall. But just to address the whole idea of them, you know, dropping the game on purpose and, you know – I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just, I just can't buy that. I'm sorry. I just, I just can't buy that the team just not that they dropped it on purpose, but the whole idea of well, they lose this first one and then you know then I, I just, I just can't, I, 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 I can't buy that. So I think, uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, Portland was coming off of that stretch where they needed to win all these games, right? to get into the playoffs. And then they, they, they won that play-in scenario. So I think Portland was more up to playing. You know, they, they had been playing. So I think they were they, they they were just sharper. And then the Lakers made the adjustment. And it was a wrap. And then Lillard, didn't Lillard get hurt or something like that in, in that series? Or, or did he did he have like an injury or something, if I recall? I can't right? remember. But, that, I mean, that Portland team was so hampered by the time they even limped into the playoffs. So, yeah. But I, 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 I'm not sure. I, I thought he had something going on in terms of an injury. But um, but then Houston, again, they, they had played a seven-game series. And so they were, they were sharper. So now – you know, you're looking at that and you're going, okay, well, it's it's like the Lakers again, you know, they 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 make an adjustment. Yeah, okay, yeah, little little did he he had a knee injury. Uh, yeah, you're game. right. He didn't play game five. He didn't yeah. play game five. But I mean, by that time it was a wrap. But again, he was hurt. So I I I get it. And because he just seemed hampered. He was he wasn't himself. From what as as that series progressed, and of course they you know they 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 had injuries as you, as you made reference to. So I think a lot of that was, you know, who they were playing. I mean, they, you know, the Rockets. 
I didn't have much faith in the Rockets. So, so I think a lot of it was who they were playing led to them end up doing what they ended up doing in terms of, you know, going 4-1, 4-1. But this is a – as much more than anything else, Brandon, it's who they're playing. Like, like, like Phoenix has got – Far more things that they can do than those other two teams that we just talked about to do. Yeah. So that challenge of trying to just and again, the Lakers are trying to figure it out on the fly, whereas Phoenix has had it figured out all year. So I think what you're looking at is can the Lakers with two guys be able to affect the other guys on the team so much that it don't matter that they haven't had they don't have this chemistry that they can go in and just win the, win the series or does Phoenix have just so much chemistry and a deeper roster in terms of having played together and, and things of that nature that they're going to be able to win the series simply because overall they have a better unit in terms of chemistry and having played with each other and, and the connectivity and all that. So to me, those are the dynamics, but the whole idea of, and I get it. I mean, you want to look back at the past. I mean, you, if you've been on Laker calls, every question is a lot of questions have been, well, last year in the bubble. Well, this isn't the bubble. Like it just like this is something totally different here. And so to be able to sit there and say, well, this is what happened in the bubble, and then it's gotta, you know, that, that should happen now. Well, it's this this is a different circumstance. Even Bogle admitted he was like, mm-hmm. that was like being at a a basketball camp, you know, it was like no one was around. They just focused on hoops. This right here is something totally different. They, you know, you look at the bubble, pumped in crowd noise. What they faced the other night, there was nothing pumped in about that at all. That was just animated, hungry. We've been waiting for the playoffs. It, animated Suns fans. And that affected the game. Yeah, it sounds like you're picking a sun sweep. No, I'm no, just no, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, now, if they sweep them, then then I can't. I can't even imagine <laughs> the stories that'll be coming out of Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, sweep them. You're talking about some guys that just joined the team and and guys talking about they want more money and all this other stuff. You're gonna see some household changes if they get swept in this first round. No, I I don't think anyone's expecting that. I think we're in for an awesome, uh, pretty long series here, and Game 2 should tell us a lot. Thank you for joining us, Dwayne. You can follow all of his work over at AZ Central Sports in the Arizona Republic. I'm sure if you are a Suns fan, you are following Dwayne. But if for some reason you are not, make sure to check that out. He's on the ground every day covering these guys. So thank you, as always, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on.